Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. But they got a good formula where they play real good defense. They run the ball, um, and when they don't turn it over, um, that's when they've had they've won more games than most teams for the last few years. The offensive mentality is to score as many points as we can and um, try to take care of the football. I think there's a good balance. Uh, we're not doing just the old traditional stuff. We're mixing some of the new style of football, and there's a good balance that we have right now. You know, we ran the heck out of the ball early on, and now we're kind of getting to more of a balanced attack, and I think that's that makes us pretty dangerous. You know, you have to go out and uh, play the game to win, and that's that's my mindset and our mindset is to do everything we can to prepare this week mentally and physically to put ourselves in a good position to, to go execute and play well and come away with a win on Thursday night. A sneaky great Thursday night game. The final Thursday night game of the year. Week 16 begins tonight. An NFL Network only broadcast of the San Francisco 49ers at the Tennessee Titans. Playoff implications for both conferences and for a bunch of other teams. This is one of those late season games where even if you don't really care about the two teams involved, if you're a fan of any of the other teams that is in this cluster in the two conferences, you're paying attention. It dawned on me yesterday, Chris, there are 13 teams in the AFC that are 7-7 seven and seven or better. It's crazy. 13 of 16 or 7 and 7 or better. So tonight's game, just another significant step of the 48 remaining toward getting to our playoff trees in each conference. And I can't remember a year like this. No, no, definitely not. Cannot remember a year where, you know, and really in, in either conference, there's not like a dominant football team or at least like two or three teams to cross the league where we go, eh, it's one of those three teams is going to win it all. I don't feel that way about any of it. Yeah, everybody's alive. 
It's uh, ser- in all seriousness, really. I mean, you said it. I, I cannot think of a, a year that's ever been like this where it's so wide open. Yeah, we know some of the teams that we think are favorites to win the Super Bowl. Are we confident to say they're dominant and they'll definitely be there? Absolutely not. There's flaws across the board. And, hey, it's awesome. You know, there's you like like a, a dominant superior team, but it is also cool to be here at this point of the year. And if you're an NFL fan to realize, man, most of our teams or teams have a chance to get in the playoffs. And ultimately, that's probably what the NFL wanted with the salary cap and free agency. And despite the absence of dominant teams, it could be the first time since 1982 and 1983 that the number one seeds in each conference are the same in consecutive years. Chiefs and Packers were the number one seeds last year. They could do it again this year. They currently are the top seeds in each conference, and this is the second year of that all-important. Only the top seed gets the bye and the 14-team seed. And This is the fourth time 27 teams have been alive with three weeks left. I'll submit that it's more exciting now because there are 14 spots instead of 12. In 1982, there were 16 spots in the tournament that they decided to use after the strike. Chris, you were very young, but your dad was a member of the New York Giants during that season. There were only nine games, seven wiped out due to the strike, 16, eight in each conference. Now the standard is seven in each conference with those 27 teams. It just feels like there's this elaborate game of musical chairs and and good teams, teams that potentially could get to the top, get to the Super Bowl. They're going to be left out. It's just the way it is. It's why earlier in the week we went through the exercise of who do we want to see yeah. in the playoffs for the from the perspective of having the most competitive playoffs because there's going to be some team that gets in there that has no business being in there and is going to go out early instead of a team that's on the outside looking in that is good enough to have the formula yeah. to win some games in January. Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, and that's where, yeah, we don't want to see COVID affect this. We want to see the best teams in there. That, that's what it's all about. And, you know, taking that back to, to tonight, I mean, again, to, to speak to the broader point here, uh, either one of these teams, I think, can go to the Super Bowl. I do. I haven't given up on either one. The 49ers, to me, would be the team that's not a division leader right now. I would say the team in the NFC to where I go – them in the playoffs, if we're sitting here a month from now and we went, oh, the 49ers are in the NFC Championship game, I'd go, I'm not surprised. I'm not. I mean, they're, they're a legit football team. They're playing as good a football as anybody in the league the last five or six weeks. Their defense is a top 10 defense. It's dominant. The offense, healthy. Shanahan, he's got the magician hat, the mad scientist hat back on again. You don't know where it's going. Is it Kittle? Is it Debo? Who the hell knows? Oh, it's Brandon Ayuk. Oh, it's Jeff Wilson. So they got it rolling from that standpoint. And I think that's what adds to the intrigue for tonight. I look at the 49ers as the wild card team in the AFC or NFC right now to go watch out. If you made me pick one team that was in the hunt or in the wild card in the NFC, that would be my team, no doubt about it. And Tennessee, I haven't fallen off that wagon yet either. I'm not. I know it's a three. What are they lost? Three out of four. All right. So what? Still, they're still like a really good defense. It's one of the best defensive lines in football. We've seen them run the ball still over this lo- over this losing streak. So it's not like they can't do that. They are missing Derrick Henry. And maybe more importantly right now at this moment, they're missing A.J. Brown, which has hurt their football team. They need a passing game. But, you know, Mike, that's where I just – I'm excited about tonight because really I, I wouldn't be shocked if either of these two teams were playing on Championship Sunday. 
uh, in a month from now. I think they have enough of the qualities and quality players and coaches to, to be in that you know conversation for the Final Four. Well, the Titans are going to have to rediscover the formula that allowed them to win six in a row. And since that six-game winning streak, they have three losses in four games. And in the three losses, they have scored 13 points in each of the three losses. 13 against the Texans, not good. 13 against the Patriots, 13 against the Steelers. They need to do better than 13 if they're going to advance in January. Now they did beat the Jaguars 20 to nothing, but given the circumstances of that game, that was when all the stuff yeah, was hit right. the fan with Urban Meyer. I mean, my goodness, if you don't shut out the Jaguars that day, you don't belong in the playoff conversation. <laughs> but after this game, and yeah. they can still lose the division of the Colts. I mean, the yeah. Colts are making a hard charge at the the finish line. We had buried the Colts after that 34-31 win on Halloween when the Titans finished the sweep, because at that point, if I recall correctly, the Titans had a three-game lead plus the tiebreaker, which meant the Colts had to make up four games. Well, the Colts still have to make up two games down the stretch. They're back by one with with three to play. It's not going to be easy to do. And when you consider the Titans have the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Texans, it's probably going to be difficult for the Colts to finish this job because the Titans, again, if they finish in a tie, the Titans win the division because they swept the Colts. So it's looking like the Titans are likely going to win the division no matter what happens tonight. The question ultimately becomes how high are the Titans on that tree? Do they have to go on the road? When do they have to go on the road? Is there a chance for them to get the bye? There's still a chance for them to get the bye at 9-5, and five, but they've really hurt themselves. At one point, they were in the driver's seat and now they're just kind of hanging on to the bumper. Yeah, they are. They definitely are. They're reeling a little bit for sure, you know. But hey, listen, they lose tonight. I mean, geez, and the Colts win on Saturday against the Cardinals. It'll get interesting. It will. I mean, I know the the Colts have another you know tough game or two after that. Uh, I can't remember their schedule specifically, but hey, the Titans. I mean. You know, the way they've been messing games up, it's no guarantee they'll beat the Miami Dolphins the next week. And, and hey, for, for lack of the – or for to throw this in there, I think the Colts are the team like the 49ers. I, you know, I think they're the the wild card team, the in-the-hunt team that I'd go – oh, I'd you'd wa- watch out for them. Like the 49ers, I wouldn't want to see them in the playoffs, and I could see them ripping off two games, certainly. But, again, the Titans are still a good football team. I, I have not given up. You know, again, I think if we break down the three losses that they've had here over the last month, you know, th- there's not all losses are created equal, in my opinion. It's one thing when you watch a loss and you go, man, they're they're physically getting beat up, and they're you know this team's running on them, and you can do this on them, and no, I mean, and they're three out of their their three losses here over the last month. It's just them doing stupid crap. I don't come away from any of the games going. Ooh, I don't like the way that looked. They really got pushed around, or they couldn't do anything. The Texans game, it was a monsoon. They turned the ball over every other play and still almost came back and won. The Patriots game, the score is 36-13, but there's two fumbles by the running back. One was running down the field for a 40- or 50-yard gain. Tannehill missed a wide-open touchdown pass. They had a fourth and one from the one-yard line. It got intercepted. 
You know, they missed a field goal last week with Pittsburgh, dominate the football game, have all the stupid turnovers. So, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying, Mike? Like, I'm not saying. No, I no, understand. I do know what you're saying. Yeah. I, well, hang on a second. Yeah. But you, you said not all losses are created equal. It sure as hell sounds like they're all equal. It well, sounds they have like a disease are, right now. They are. So, that's my point. Yeah. And yeah. so if you want to be a great team, you just can't say, well, you know what? We, we have superior talent and we can line up. And we, you you got to be able to finish your job. you got to hold on to the football. you got to be a disciplined team. That's what's surprising because Mike Vrabel seems like the kind of sure. coach that isn't going to tolerate that stuff. No, no, I, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. And I'm not trying to argue against you there with that point either. I, I understand. You know, we got to figure out, is this like a disease that we're seeing them go through a three or four game stretch with? Like we saw the Chiefs go through, like we saw even the 49ers go through, you know, like we've seen the Rams go through. We're watching the Cardinals go through it a little right now. Is this a stretch or is this who they are? And that's what I guess what I'm trying to say. We're trying to figure this out. I'm trying to say I'm not like as concerned as maybe you should be when you lose three to four because I still see things physically on the field where I go, oh, I still like this team. But yes, can they get rid of the disease of turnover and doing dumb crap? That's the question here. And that's what I was just trying to say. So it's like, yeah, they've losing, but it's 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 not a loss to me where I go, "Oh man, they're just not a quality team." It's more like, "Man, they're doing dumb crap." And they not need to stop that, and we'll see. Unless maybe this is the way they are, and they're just do a dumb crap type of team here down the stretch. Let's, let's boil it down. Let's boil yeah. it down. Yeah. If the Titans should lose at home to the 49ers tonight, yeah, and if the Colts would beat the Cardinals on Christmas night, a right. game that, as we I think said yesterday, when the schedule comes out, you're like, okay, all right, you know, you know. now you're like, oh boy, uh, yeah, oh please, give yeah. me. Give me this game, Colts and Cardinals. If that happens, they'll be tied going into the final two games. We mentioned the Titans have the Dolphins and the Texans to end the season, and the Dolphins are no slouch right now. They've won six in a row. The Colts have the Raiders at home and at the Jaguars to win or to finish the regular season. I think what it comes down to is that – that week 16, no, week week 16, week 17. Yeah, hey, hell 17 yeah. Second to last game of the year. <laughs> it's pissing me off. Penultimate week of the season. If Titans would lose to the Dolphins and the Colts would would beat the Raiders, right. then it comes, you know, then it's, it's the Colts it's win the division unless they fall right. flat on their faces against the Jaguars, which I don't think anybody's going to do at this point, the Jaguars. And, of course, leave it to the Jaguars to screw it up in the final week when they have the number one overall pick in their grasp. That'd be the perfect bookend to last year because last year started with the Jaguars somehow beating the Colts in Jacksonville. Yeah, right. This year ending with the Jaguars somehow beating the Colts in Jacksonville. That would not be good for the Colts if they would have the division right there in their grasp. It's still possible. It's not crazy. Crazier things have happened this year in the NFL. Crazier things have happened this month in the NFL. Flip it over to the 49ers because I agree with you. The Colts and the 49ers are the two teams that I think the rest of the playoff field should not want in. Those right. are the ones you're rooting against. Right. Please find a way to keep them out. And as the recent weeks have unfolded, it's becoming more and more clear that those two teams are going to make it over the bar and be the six seeds most likely. Right. It's the scramble for the seven seed that the other teams are going to have to deal with. And the 49ers feel like they are cementing that spot and it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to go on the road repeatedly, but we saw the Bucks do it last year. And this would be a great test. Hey, if you're Kyle Shanahan, the message to your players is, you know, it's two days till Christmas and, you know, we're flying all the way to Nashville and then we're coming home and, yeah, it's kind of a pain. But you know what? Get used to it because if we're going to make any noise whatsoever in the postseason, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to go 
to Dallas. We're going to have to go to Tampa, maybe. We're going to have to go to Green Bay, possibly. Maybe we get to go to Arizona, a place where, you know, we know how to play football. It was our home away from home last year when when the pandemic was at a point where they couldn't play games at Levi's Stadium. So, you know, th- this is a precursor for the 49ers as to what they're going to be facing. A playoff caliber team on the road with with significant stakes for both teams involved. Yeah, 100%. And, and yeah, unfortunately for them, you know, or my buddy Kyle Shanahan, this is what they're going to have to do, you know, if they do hang on and get in the playoffs. And, of course, it does look like they will. And, you know, again, I think they're built to do it. You know, yeah, early season, stubbing your toe, they messing things up, weren't playing well, the injury bug hit them. But, man, over the last six, seven, eight weeks, I mean, there's not a hotter team in football. They're as hot as anybody in the sport right now. And I think they I think they have, like, you know, again, I know we're both sitting here going, yeah, they're going to be the sixth seed probably. They got that locked up. You know, okay, great. But I look at them in, as really in the quality of the, the, the five teams that are in front of them. I do. I think they're in the, that, that conversation. I don't look at it and go, oh, Dallas is in another class from the 49ers who's the number two seed in the NFC right now. Absolutely not. I mean, you, 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 those two teams playing a neutral field, I don't know who I'm going to pick. I'm probably going to take the 49ers. So that just tells you right there. You know, again, yeah, the Packers, but all right. You know, again, I don't think that's like a, a blowout loss or anything like that or any stretch of the imagination. You know, I look at them being able to compete with the Buccaneers, any of them, beat any of them. You know, they're too good up front, you know, the way Shanahan's calling games with this, all these healthy people once again, you know, I know they're not going to have Elijah Mitchell tonight, but when Debo and Kittle are healthy, man, I mean, he puts your head on a swivel. You just, because like we've seen the Rams or Devontae Adams or the Packers, how they can get them the ball. Shanahan has the ability to get both of them the ball and really play both of them off of each other. And they're weapons that can change the game, and that's where they're a little different. They have that kind of three elements we talk about that make a great offense. You know, there's the running back, there's Debo, there's Kittle. And Shanahan brings it together in a special way, let alone they have a good defense, Mike. I mean, I don't know if you agree with me there, but I look at them as one of like, I think they're in that conversation for the elite in the NFC. I know their record's not the same, but I'm looking at it for right now, not what they did, you know, in September and October. Uh, At least that's my thought. You think I'm crazy there? Key for them is to stay healthy. Yeah. Because when they're not healthy, when their key guys aren't healthy, it's they struggle. It's a different struggle. team, right? When, yeah. Yeah. Right. When their key guys are healthy, they are able to kick your butt any given week. And yeah. to me, the, the most important number for the 49ers is this, 7-2. and two. Because that's what they are this year against every team that isn't in the NFC West. Think about that for right. a second. Isn't that crazy? They are 1-4. One and four against the teams in their division. They were swept by the Cardinals. They were swept by the Seahawks, for crying out loud. Yeah. I mean, the Seahawks have, what, five wins? Yeah. And two of them are against the 49ers. So you take that out of the mix, and the 49ers are an elite team. They have the Titans tonight, obviously. The Texans next week at home. Check that box with a W, although... We saw the Titans lose to the Texans not that long ago, and the Texans seem to be the team that couldn't tank straight right now. But let's give them that one. Uh, the Rams game on the road to end the season, and who knows what the Rams will be playing yeah, for at that point. Yeah, they might not be playing you know, for anything. You're right. You're I, right. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that the next two weeks may get us to a point where come week 18, we're looking around saying, especially like for the one, two, three, four. You know, maybe two, three, four, maybe three, four. You know, there's going to be some that are settling in. Yeah, it could be right, that the Rams right. have settled in, but then we don't know. We don't know 
could they could be playing for the division? Who knows? That could be the most compelling game of the weekend. It could have playoff implications up and down the division and the and the the, the playoff tree for the conference. But uh, the 49ers, I agree with you. When they're healthy, they're as dangerous as anyone is the NFL in the NFL. But the problem is when you lose those games, that's what puts you in a spot where yeah, right. you don't get to stay home in January. You know, I say all the time, don't worry about the games in September and October because the team is going to be much different when we get to the end of December. That's right. They're going to be better. They're going to be worse. They're not going to be the same. But the wins are money in the bank, and the losses are checks that you may not be able to cash. That's right. Because you're going to have to go on the road. And that's what determines it. September and October determine, in many respects, where you play your playoff games, even though you're a far cry from that team when it's time to start the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. September and October kind of set you up for your seeding. November and December, make sure you get in the playoffs or whatever. I guess that's what you're saying. But you're right. I mean, that's kind of the way it is. Yeah, the cream of the crop usually rises to the top here towards the end of the football season. But even within that, if you've you but know, you're, you're hamstrung by what happened earlier, earlier in the year, the year. right? You're going to be affected by you know wh- yeah wh- where you end up in the playoffs. Certainly, yeah, they're going to have that uphill battle. You know, there's no doubt about it. They got no chance of really winning the division. It would take like a, a modern miracle here for the Rams to fall apart. But yeah, I, I think we see it the same way. You know, and that's why I think the game will be fun tonight. You know, the matchups fun. We know they're both kind of like teams that like to be the bullies on the football field. You know, the 49ers, you know, the weak, their defense, awesome, right? We know the Titans' offense a little iffy. How do you take advantage of the, the, the 49ers? Hey, they're corners. They got no-name corners. And we saw Joe Burrow and company kind of figure that out towards the end of the game. We saw Matt Ryan take advantage a little of that last, last week to a degree, you know. But is there a receiver on Tennessee to take advantage of that right now? You know, I know A.J. Brown's back, but we're not expecting him to play tonight, right? He just was taken off IR and practicing. So Correct. I guess that's where I get to is like, I, can the Titans take advantage of some of the weaknesses on that 49ers defense on a regular basis? And I'm not sure they can do that. I guess that's, that's one of my big concerns there. And then you flip it around, Mike, and I just go, hey, we know, Vra- you know Vrabel and company, their defense really good, as good a run-stopping D-line in football – but man, this is a different animal as far as scheme and what you got to stop. And I, I mean, you said it before, their health seems to be more paramount to them than other teams in football because Shanahan rides the stars. He rides the stars. He makes his stars be the focal point and he does everything around it. And when he's got a Kittle and a Debo Samuel, I don't know who Vrabel and company take away tonight. That's going to be the, th- the thing. They'll try to take away one. But it's like pick your poison, I guess, there. So I, that's where I'm, uh, I'm intrigued about the matchup as well. We mentioned the Titans offense. Yeah. Now, look, Derrick Henry's been out, and they've still managed to win games, although they've, they've struggled the past few weeks. As Chris said, a lot of it is self-inflicted. Henry could come back at some point. That would make a difference. But we got to talk for a minute yeah. about a trade that consumed so much oxygen back in June. Yeah, do it. I appreciate that because, I mean, what else were we going to talk about in early June? But that was when the Falcons finally pulled the trigger on the trade that sent Julio Jones to the Titans. He's played in eight games this year. He's got 38 targets, 25 catches, 369 yards, zero touchdowns. I think we can say at this point that that was not a good trade. No. For the Tennessee Titans. And I remember when – I remember when he got there, there was this kind of buzz that he wanted a new contract, but yeah. then it became, he'll go have a good year, and then he's going to want a new contract. Well, psh, 
I think the question now is whether or not the Titans go to him and say, hey, hey, Julio, we can't pay $11.5 million next year. Not for this. we got to pay A.J. Brown. We, we, can't, we can't pay you for 25 catches in eight games. Right. And, you know, he could go off, I guess, in the final three, but there's no reason – there's no reason, based upon what we've seen so far this year, are you getting me 25 catches for 369 yards so far this season? That's not Julio Jones. No. And you, you, you have to wonder whether or not Julio Jones, you know, the level of self-awareness as the train is pulling into the station at the end of a career, are yeah. you able to say, all right, this is it. It's done. I'm, I'm done. Uh, this isn't my standard that I'm used to. I'm not just going to hang around. And he may have a hard time finding anyone to pay him anything close. It's kind of like the way Marvin Harrison left. The Colts no longer wanted to pay Marvin Harrison what he was due to make. It was about $9 million. It was a lot of money when you consider when Harrison retired. Yeah. They cut him. He refused to take a pay cut. He refused to lower his standard. He refused to play for whatever he could get. He's done, even though he still had gas in the tank. That's That could be where we're going with Julio Jones. Could be. There could be someone... Who or no one who's going to pay him what he wants, and someone's willing to pay him something, and he says, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not playing for that. I'm out of here." Yeah, he, well, he certainly. I mean, th- this is the time he's he's got to turn it on or or do something. He can he can justify what he's made in the trade if he kind of starts to explode here the last three weeks and gets them on a playoff run. Then people will you know swipe the rest of the average season under the rug and be like, "Oh, okay, well, he was he was healthy when he needed to be." He can change the narrative to a degree. But, yes, right now it, it's not impressive. You know, and again, you know, there's one thing that, I've, you know, I think that's popped to me a little bit this year is just aging star who has an injury history, be careful assigning him. You know, Richard Sherman, J.J. Watt, Julio Jones. There's others that I've had on my mind, and I can't think of it on the, off the, uh, you know, on the spot right now. But, yeah, you got to have buyer beware there a little bit. And Julio Jones, as we know – you know, it, it for the the last part of his career here has always been not able to practice. You know, we'll see how he feels on Sunday, a game time decision, or we'll get a gauge for him on Saturday at the walkthrough and see if he's a see if he can play. And the injury bug has bothered him again. But they need him. You know, of course, there's no Derrick Henry, but they still can run the ball effectively enough to get good passing looks. And if they can have some sort of guy out there that can take advantage of some of those looks, man, the Titans can inject themselves right back into the best team in the AFC conference conversation. But that we haven't seen that, you know, over the last three or four weeks. So I don't know if it's going to come back. And we'll see where Julio is tonight, certainly. But they need Julio to be somewhat of a presence over there. And they desperately need A.J. Brown, who's... You know, when healthy, one of the 10 best receivers in football and a big-time playmaker for their football team. So they've missed that element. But, like, your point about Julio is real, Mike, and it's going to be interesting to see how this finishes out. The thought back in June when this trade was done was that the recent history with Julio Jones being injured, the hamstring, the lingering problems, that that was in large part due to the fact that he just wasn't happy in Atlanta. He wasn't happy with his contract. And if he gets to a place where he's happy, he'll be fine. And so the Titans roll that dice. They gave up a second-round pick in 2022 for Julio Jones. I would suspect that right now they would say we probably shouldn't have done that. And I remember having a very distinct vibe at the time. And it it wasn't palpable, but sometimes silence can be the greatest indicator of what someone's really thinking. Yeah. I never got the impression Mike Vrabel was I'm on board with, with this trade. I'm with you. Because 
Who was it that was talking and talking and talking when the trade was done? It was John Robinson, the yeah. general manager of the team. Right. Never Mike Vrabel. No media tour for Mike Vrabel. No press conference for Mike Vrabel. I, I think there may have been a little internal tension and chalk one up to Vrabel. This is a little I told you so from Vrabel. And you know what? At the core, it very well could be they misread it by not giving him a contract on the way through the door. I mean, it could be that the same things that were bothering him in Atlanta are bothering him now, which would tell me it's fixable, which would tell me there maybe is gas in the tank if he's willing to, to burn that gas. He may not be willing to burn that gas until he gets somewhere else, but now they're going to be very leery, whoever would be considering Julio Jones, because you're going to assume multiple yeah. years of, right. of you know, he, he can't go, aging guy who's banged up and can't go, that that's a trend that isn't going to reverse itself no matter what he says. Yeah, no, uh, you're you're right, exactly right. You know, it's 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 again a guy that's a freak of nature. He's big. He's been jamming his legs into the ground, you know, with great force for the last twelve years of his life. More than that, you know. Yeah, he's it. It gets to that point for for a receiver and a receiver of his you know nature as far as explosiveness. And size, because again, Julio Jones is one of those guys that, you know, it's it's when you see him in person, you go, oh wow, oh whoa, that now I understand why you're Julio Jones. Damn, you're chiseled and built out of granite and like a Greek god. That's how he's built. But yes, even for guys like that, it just catches up, and we're, you know, we're seeing. Yeah, he's he's struggling to make it to the finish line here this year, and hopefully he can help out. But I, I'm with you, Mike. I always get the sense that was a John Robinson move, not a Vrabel move. Uh, but regardless, they're stuck with him, and we'll see where it goes. But they need him to contribute to a degree. You know, I always look at it, it's like Sammy Watkins with the Chiefs over the last few years. Yeah, he wasn't there, but he always kind of got healthy at the end of the year and the playoffs to make a little bit of a difference and like justify what he was being paid. Maybe Julio can do that here down the stretch. And, and this is the key, too, because we will forget about eight games, 25 catches, 359 yards, no touchdowns if he goes Boncos. Yes, the exactly. The regular right. season. That's what I mean. And, yeah. and in January, if he goes off, right. All that's what's going to get other teams. Yes. If the Titans don't want him or if the Titans don't want to pay him or whatever the case may be, other teams are going to be like, oh, okay, we, we'll, we'll tolerate yeah. the, the unavailability in the regular season if we know we're going to get this in crunch time. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, I, you know, we're doing our joint mega picks podcast later this morning this is one that i'm struggling with yeah of course and i, I i'm gonna push it right up to to uh game time for us when we tape the podcast i really don't know how this one's gonna go it's easy to ride the recent trend and say the 49ers but at some point that trend's gonna break at yeah. some point mike Vrabel's gonna get have his guys ready to 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 get one of those wins like against the the chiefs and the bills early this year when they they first really got our attention but the, the you know the the difference is they had Derrick Henry. See, that's, I keep coming back to no Derrick Henry. And I know Deontay Foreman's been doing really well for them. I, I, yeah, I, it's still not Derrick Henry. It's not Derrick Henry. No, no, it's, it's not Derrick Henry. That's exactly right. I mean, the, 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 the running backs, you know, that's been a little bit by committee. Hilliard does a pretty good job, you know. But, yeah, Foreman is the guy. But it, again, offensively, I just look at it and go, can they just get rid of the disease? You know, last week it was crazy, you know. Fumble by a you know a tight end getting a first down when you're up ten nothing you're about to be at midfield. Fumble by a tight end who you know has his feet touched and slips on the ground and then the ball just pops out of his hands. Not even sure he was down. You know Ryan Tannehill dropping a snap. You know 
Then Ryan Tannehill, it's third and one, or was it fourth and one? Either way, it was a third and one tip pass intercepted. So if they can limit that stuff, you know, they're going to be a pain in the butt. And, hey, here's the other thing. Like, you, you know, we, we, we've talked about Vrabel and, and some of the stuff they do. I mean, this is where I, I certainly give them a chance tonight, even though we've talked about some of their offensive struggles. Their defensive line is unbelievable. To me, it's one of the great units of football that's kind of flying under the radar right now because they don't you know, necessarily have that sack master or that guy. But Harold Landry's having a phenomenal year at defensive end. Jeffrey Simmons at defensive tackle is an absolute beast. I mean, beast, you know. And then, you know, Bud Dupree getting back healthy. Danico Autry, you know, what he's done for their football team. They have a handful of guys that can play in size that have great size. So that's where I look at the game interesting, too, as awesome as Shanahan is, right? And it's Debo Samuel and Kittle and then Jeff Wilson at running back, and you got to worry about all of that. You know, Vrabel, they are an outside-the-box thinking game plan-specific defense. They're not like, oh, this is what we do, and we're just going to line up and do this. No, they're going to change stuff up. And because of their D-line and how big and physical it is, they're going to be able to put pressure on them to go, you guys stop the run because we need some of these other guys to stop the speed sweeps and the Debo Samuel reverse and the toss crack to him and the fake the toss crack to Debo Samuel and the bootleg and, oh, no, there goes George Kittle out the back door for an easy completion. That's what you need to stop the 49ers, and at least the Titans have that. So that's where it's interesting, too, on that side of the ball. And that's really the side of the ball I'm most intrigued to see. Vrabel, defensive mind, him, Shane Bowen, New England, we take away your things you do best type of approach versus Shanahan, who's like, I got Debo and Kettle. I'm going to come up with 9 million plays, see if he can stop it. And I think that could be kind of one of the fun stories to watch within the story tonight. We made the conscious, strategic, pre-planned decision today to not talk at all about the announcement of the Pro Bowl rosters because we don't care about who's in the Pro Bowl. You shouldn't care about who's in the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is a joke. The Pro Bowl is a waste of time. <laughs> Other than unlocking the incentives. Sorry, NFL, it's true. <laughs> Thank you. Other than unlocking the incentives that players earn by making it, nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They try to make us care. We don't care. Right. I care about football. I don't care about the Pro Bowl. I used to, but in the modern NFL, the reality is anyone who is healthy enough in early February to play one more game of football should not do it unless it's no, the Super Bowl. Exactly. That's right. it. Right. That's it. The, the world has changed. The game has changed. And this glorified two-hand touch in full pads, people show up, people, people watch it, it's on TV, but but it's worthless. But I will. But that's that's my preface to this point. Okay. Go you mentioned ahead. Harold Landry. Yeah. You mentioned Harold Landry. Right. He got snubbed. Yeah. He got snubbed. Right. There's one Titan that made it. Kevin Byard's the only Titan that made it. Does Mike Vrabel use that? Does he use that to get his guys extra lathered up to that we are not respected? That everything we've done this year has not properly been acknowledged and recognized by fans, yeah. by your peers, yeah. and by the coaches of the NFL. Because for everything we've done, all they did was acknowledge that Kevin Byard is a guy who's been a great safety for the past several years. Look, and all is that, you know, there's a way, and we know they use everything they can. But if you're Vrabel, I mean, I would do it. I would use the fact that I got one Pro Bowler in my entire locker room 
as a way to piss off everyone. Oh, they're already, they already have an incentive to win. These things don't matter. They're grown men. Now, baloney. Yeah. We know it. We know that that little, that little kick, that little final boost, that little thing, the nitrous oxide to the hot rod, that can be the thing that Vrabel tries to seize upon do you think i'm nuts no for the, i mean you may not. generally but yeah. for this do you think yeah I'm nuts? yeah generally i do think you're nuts but for this one you're 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 i'm with you i you know vrabel's chippy you know he's a chippy guy uh, you know you don't have to be around him for more than two minutes to realize like whoa i feel like if i say the wrong thing he might beat me up so i'm gonna be careful what i say you know i mean that's what he is he's definitely gonna use that against them against you know the rest of the league or use it to fire up his football team Especially yeah. tonight, one tonight, day after it happened. Right, one day after it happened, no doubt. It's fresh in their minds. He can sell the disrespect unbelievably. Yeah, Harold Landry, double-digit sacks. How the hell does Jeffrey Simmons not make the Pro Bowl? I mean, really, Jeffrey Simmons, after Aaron Donald and Chris Jones, is the best defensive tackle in football. And he's in that in that realm of the conversation. I'm not going to say he's Chris Jones, Aaron Donald yet, but he's really approaching that category. That's a snub, like without a doubt, a big time snub. But yeah, he's going to look at that and go, oh, yeah, yeah, we got no pro. Well, he's definitely going to use it, 100%. And these are two teams that are always looking for a reason to be pissed off about something. They're chippy. We've talked about Shanahan. He tries to find guys that, hey, when you just, when I say run through the wall, you run through the wall. I mean, that's the way they are. And the Titans pride themselves on being the big bully team. I'm Mike Vrabel. So that's where the game, I think, is going to be a lot of fun tonight. It'll be big time hitting. There's a lot of size on the field. And you're right. I don't I don't doubt that. I do want to say one thing about the Pro Bowl when we get a chance, but uh, I, I do think they'll use say that, it. no doubt. Go All ahead. Right, you ready? Say it. Say it. We have, no, we have no time allocated for the Pro Good. Bowl today because okay. we weren't going to talk about it. I don't even know it. who made the rest of the team, right? I know just some of it. But listen. I know what you're going to say. Were you... Well, no, wait. First one, were you surprised? I was a little surprised that Justin Herbert won the starting quarterback thing for the Pro Bowl. Yes. You were, yes. Uh, that, to me, was the news. The, like, I went like, whoa, Like the people actually voted for Justin Herbert to be the starter? It's, usual, it's unusual well, for like a second-year guy who hasn't won an MVP, hasn't been a playoff game. You know, Usually, it takes another year or two. For that, like the whole country to kind of go, wait, he is awesome. I was surprised by that. But but it's one-third fan vote, one-third yeah. player vote, one-third coach vote. So it's possible that he didn't win the fan finish vote. in the top two or three at the fan vote. Right. But the respect level for Justin Herbert yes. around the league, we know it's off the charts. Yes. We hear it all the time. Right. He's regarded as physically one of the five know, from best the in the size, game. running, yeah. and throwing. One of the five best, if not the very best, especially of the young quarterbacks, the guys who have been in the league just a couple of years. Yeah. Without question, he has that respect. But, but I thought you were going to say your boy Blue got snubbed. Well, I was, I was, that was, I was going to go by that too. That he got snubbed. I was a little surprised by that. I mean, he he's only the greatest one man show in football right now. So that's you know that's that's annoying to me, definitely. And listen, I also thought Murray. Just winning it over Stafford was a good, you know, an interesting one. I understand it, hey. but Stafford's still second in football with quarterback rating. He's over thirty touchdowns. He's, you know, single digit interceptions still, I believe, or at least close to that. I mean, he's having a really good year, and Murray missed some games. I, I was a little surprised by that too. A little incentive for Matthew Stafford down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, that's the only relevance to me 
of any of this stuff. Yeah. If you have key players on teams that are bound for the postseason, it's an extra little kick in the ass that just keeps you focused on doing everything you need to do. That's what this is about. It's not necessarily the thing that's going to cause you to run through a brick wall, although it can be very useful tonight for the Titans from that perspective and Mike Vrabel because of the the fact that it happened yesterday and they're playing tonight. We already talked about that. But just as we get into these final three weeks, if there was any doubt about the extent to which every box was going to be checked during the week of the amount of time spent getting your body properly recovered, hydrating, diet, the right exercise at the right time, the right sleep, doing all the things, giving into none of the temptations that inevitably arise during the holiday season right you continue to be a football robot having something like that happen will i think increase the chances that you're going to continue to be a football robot through a time of the year where the rest of the world just kind of exhales and slows down and enjoys life i think the 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 matthew stafford not that he was going to do it anyway but I think he's far less likely to take a breath and pause for a beat the next couple of weeks. He's going to be pissed off, and he should be. Yeah, no, he he definitely should. I mean, he should be. I mean, his, again, his stats are as good as Tom Brady, where we're talking about the MVP. I mean, that, that that's he's in that conversation. It's up there with Aaron Rodgers. And hey, Kyler Murray, I know is a phenomenal talent, but yeah, missed a month of football. I can understand him being pissed off. Certainly, I, I really can. That, that that to me was the th- one of the the main things I found interesting. You know, as I was kind of just casually checking out who made the team throughout the night last night. You know, Herbert popping on the scene and getting the respect that yeah, he was the best quarterback in the AFC this year. I didn't know if he would actually get that. And then the NFC, yeah, that that to me was interesting too. I don't. I mean, again, Josh Allen. Uh, really, you know, in my opinion, played better football than Patrick Mahomes this year. But I understand it's Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's going to leave. Well, him he off played the better list. football than Lamar. He, and he played, played better, better than, than Lamar, Lamar Jackson, Jackson this year. Exactly right. Thank you, Mike. That's the one that surprised me. Right. Lamar Jackson did not have a year like he had in 2019 and 2020. And of he course, just missing games like he had, and then he, even before he missed these last, you know, two game, two games, he also, you know, didn't like you said, didn't play good football the four or five weeks before that. So yeah, I was a little surprised by that altogether. All but by the way, before we go to break, I need to have a little fun here. Yeah. This is our last show before Christmas. We are going to be off programming note. We're off on Christmas Eve because my Ebenezer Scrooge tendencies were overwhelmed by those who decided that it would be useful to give everyone the day off. And I, 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 I was able to agree without being visited by any ghosts of Christmas past, present, or future. However, however, I do want to have a little fun here because you kept talking about the Titans have a disease. They have a disease. They <laughs> right. have a disease. Right. And, and this line from days gone by crept into my brain. And the line is, you're a disease and I'm the cure. And it was driving <laughs> me crazy where that's from. Do you know, Chris, do you know, for the, for the great and grand prize of absolutely nothing, right. do you know where that line is from. You're a disease and I'm the cure. Uh, mm. I, 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 I know. I don't. I don't. It's, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, if I tell you the actor who said it, I don't know if it's going to help the you. The actor. I need more cowbell yeah. is the only thing I'm thinking of right now. I, I, well, not no, but yes. you're, you're, you're a disease and I'm the cure. Sylvester Stallone is the person who uttered that line in a movie from the 1980s, and it wasn't Rambo or Rocky. Wow, I'm still. Then I'm really. Wait, who is it? Go ahead, tell me. I'm choking on the, the character. 
The character's name, Marion Cabretti, the movie Cobra. The, the effort to create a new Sylvester Stallone multi-film I, I franchise, remember that. Cobra, right, right. 1986, failed. But you're a disease and I'm the cure resonates 35 years <laughs> That's great. later. That's great. At Thank you for, somebody for bringing who actually that great movie up. Paid $5.50 to go see <laughs> the exploits of Sylvester Stallone as Marion Cabretti. He is Cobra. Let's take a break. We'll <laughs> give you some updates on Lamar Jackson and other news from around the NFL. Cue the Christmas music. You're a disease and I'm the cure. More <laughs> Merry Christmas. Right after this. <laughs> Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Uh, yes, John Harbaugh knows that he needs to tell us absolutely nothing about Lamar Jackson's status or availability beyond the contents of the injury report. And all we know... 11 days after he suffered that sprained ankle against the Browns, did not practice open paren, ankle, closed paren. And I'm starting to get the feeling we're not going to see him again this weekend in a very important game I'm surprised. in Cincinnati against yeah. the Bengals. But, you know, I, I said this yesterday on PFTPM. The ribs and the ankles are the kind of injuries where we've seen this trend where – it's all good at first. Like there were been multiple rib injuries this year where, oh, x-rays are negative, x-rays are negative. Four days later, oh, he's got broken ribs. Whoa, whoa wait. Huh, but, I, maybe you need a better x-ray machine then. That happened like three or four times this year. And then with the ankle, it reminds me of Kyler Murray, week eight. Yeah. Oh, I'm fine. I'm good. Right, no, I'm right. good. Report over the weekend. Jay Glaze, oh, he's going to show up at the building tomorrow and he's going to be fine. He's going to, you know, they're going to see if he can play. He missed three games in four weeks. Yes. So I started to get that feeling last week with Lamar. And, and I look at it this way. If it's the kind of thing, look, because I've, of the various injuries that I have inflicted in my life, just being clumsy, spraining my ankle was one of them. And I had a what I thought was a bad ankle sprain playing pickup basketball in law school to the point where I was hobbling. But like after a day or two, I was fine. It was the weirdest damn thing. Yeah. It, it can. So if this thing isn't going away quickly for Lamar Jackson, it's, it's, it ain't, it's not going away. In in a you know a couple of weeks. If it didn't go away in a week, it's going to take a little bit longer than two or three. That's my that's my very high end. Uh, I'm not a doctor, never will be, have no qualification to even begin to apply for medical school. But 
I just I, I feel like after 20 years of covering the NFL, if he was going to come back from this thing by now, he already would have, yeah. I guess, is yeah. my point. Yeah. So I'm starting to think it's going to be Tyler Huntley again this it, weekend. It, do, it does have that feeling. I mean, yeah, you're you're some some Dr. Kevorkian, I'll give you that for sure. But yeah, <laughs> but I can, no. I can assist you. I would. I have a special for you, Chris, if you want to go that thank route. Thank you very much. No, thank you. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you're a disease, and I'm yeah, the cure. You're the cure. There, thank you, Doctor Gorky. <laughs> uh, but but it, but it is a little like I'm with you. It does seem like yeah, there's maybe a little bit more of an injury there, or you know, his status is definitely more up in the air than I would have envisioned coming in this week. De you know, great, great. We know as far as movement concerned, all of that. Yeah, it affects the ankle of a Lamar Jackson more than your normal pocket passing quarterback, but. You know, after watching last week and the way they played, you know, I'm not concerned if he doesn't play. The, 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 the Ravens can still be a pain in the butt and win the football game with Tyler Hundley. You know, he's, he's a, just a lesser version of Lamar Jackson. You know, he did a really good job last week. You know, made a lot of good throws, really worked Mark Andrews, and then we saw his ability to extend plays. I mean, hey, if... If, if they're open, he'll he'll make the throw. He will. I'm not going to sit here and make, say, oh, wow, he's going to throw lasers and he can throw sidearm passes and do some of the stuff Lamar Jackson can. But he understands how to play the position, and he's plenty athletic. Um, so I'm not – again, I would like Lamar Jackson to be out there for the Ravens, but I don't think it's like, oh, no, they're in deep crap and there's no way they can win this football game if Lamar Jackson doesn't play. Tyler Huntley gave me a lot of confidence what he's done the last two weeks. Hey, hey, look, I, I, I'm not going to tip my hand because I don't have a hand to tip yet as it relates to who I'm leaning toward in this game. But, but, I just feel like, and this is understanding the Ravens, who they are, what they are, what John Harbaugh does, how he does it, who he is. They got their butts handed to them at home by the Bengals back in week number yeah. seven, I think it was. Yeah, Tyler Huntley, Lamar Jackson, I, I just feel like there's going to be a different Ravens team. If they're ever going to reach the higher level they need to reach to get to the playoffs this year, maybe they're just not capable. Maybe the critical mass of injuries has come and yeah, gone. Right. But this just feels like a week where – Especially when you couple it with these up-and-down Bengals that are just this crazy pendulum swing where you one week you think you got a team that can make it to the Super Bowl, the next week they can't tie their shoes. I just feel like there's a way that these two are going to come together this week and the Ravens are going to get it done. They, You know, the Ravens have been knocking on the door the past three weeks. So They've lost three games by a total of four points. Yeah. They're either going to completely collapse or they're going to go in there and they're going to beat the Bengals. Yeah. There's not going to be another close loss this weekend for the Ravens. They're either going to take this game and they're going to take it with some authority or or they're going to just get completely and totally wiped out by the Bengals. Yeah, huge game. I mean, we know that the the Bengals had their way with the Ravens. Like it, it wasn't like a fluke, you know, the first time around where you went, "Oh man, the Ravens just did some stuff dumb stuff." Like the Bengals made plays, you know, they Burrow hit some big play action passes. Jamar Chase went off, you know, and, and catching a slant and some other big passes that were, you know, highlight reel type plays that week. So uh, that, that's what will be interesting. And you're right, you're going to get a pissed off Baltimore Ravens football team because they, they were dominated that first time you know, on both sides of the ball. So I don't know. Can Baltimore overcome it with all these injuries? 
You know, we'll see. You're right about the Bengals. It is a little all over the place. When they play good, you go, ooh, they can be a real pain in the butt in the, you know, the, the AFC playoffs. But, you know, we've also seen them kind of have, again, that disease, sorry to bring up that word again, of like doing dumb crap. You know, whether it was, you know, the, the, the 49ers game the week before or the Chargers game the week before that where, you know, there was some self-inflicted wounds there. So uh, you don't know what you're going to get from the Bengals, but either way, a big-time matchup. Huge implications. Huge implications in the AFC North and in the AFC. A game that will have huge implications at the bottom of the AFC playoff chase where it's essentially an elimination game. 7-7 seven and seven Denver at 7-7 seven and seven Las Vegas. The loser of this is done because I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a cluster of 9-8, or 10 and 7 teams, and maybe the loser of this game still has a chance. So I'm, 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 I'm contradicting myself before I even finish the sentence. But whoever loses this game is going to be in, in deep doo-doo the yeah. final two weeks. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Teddy Bridgewater out for the Broncos after suffering the concussion on Sunday against the Bengals. Drew Locke is in. And advantage Raiders, but it, l- l- let me tell you what Drew Locke had to say yesterday. I woke up with a big smile on my face Wednesday morning, able to come out here and be the guy this week for the team. There's a lot that I've learned being in the backup role and what exactly it takes to be able to come out and win a football game. I learned a lot of that from Teddy. Now it's time to put it all together and go show that I am a better quarterback than I was. I appreciate the self-awareness. Yeah. The question is, can he do that? He had, he had moments in 2019. Remember the Buzz Lightyear game against the Texans? He was phenomenal, but way too inconsistent. Yes. Way too up and down. Way too injured. Just not not the guy that we both thought he was going to be. And yeah, this is his chance to rectify that. Maybe he has learned something from Teddy Bridgewater, but this is it. You know, he played for Teddy earlier this year for a while and didn't do well. And Vic Fangio called him out and said, hey, we need him to do better when we call his number. Well, they're calling it this week with the season on the line. They need this win in Las Vegas badly. Or, or it is, as a practical matter, going to be over. They lose this game. I find it very difficult to think they're going to end up taking one of those one of those uh, spots, that last spot, particularly in the AFC. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I have a hard time thinking they're, they're going to do that, too. I mean, again, there's there's some quality football teams there that are fighting for that last spot. You lose this game. I mean, I know Buffalo, the Chargers, the Colts, Baltimore, they got some hard games down the stretch, but I don't see those teams falling apart. So, yeah, I would think the loser of this game, it's, you know, so long, see you later, we'll see you next year, thanks for participating. Um, you're... To, to, to me, the story is like what you said, though. It is Drew Locke. This is a huge moment for his career. There's no doubt. I mean, to the point where, yeah, he hasn't been able to be trusted. You, know, you talked about like him filling in for Teddy Bridgewater. There was the Baltimore Ravens game where he came in and didn't do a great job. He had another game that I'm missing, and I can't remember which one it is, where he came in for Teddy to a, for a, a period of time and threw a bad interception around midfield that gave the team a field goal and a chance to kind of come back in the football game. It might have been the Chargers game I think I'm thinking about, where they let the Chargers back in the game there. And then last week, you know, you get a chance. He does some good things. It looks like he might save the day. And then read option, keeps the ball around the edge, and lets the defender just steal it right out of his hand. And that, would, of course, was the, the huge moment of the football game. Khalid Kareem just steals the ball right out of Drew Locke's hand when they were down there inside the red zone, maybe going to score a touchdown. So he's done a lot of dumb stuff, and he's got talent. But he's also, yes, with this stuff you're talking about, 
He's got to watch out because he might not be trusted as a backup if he can't come in in these situations and show that he can play with a consistent level of execution and not doing the dumb things. So that's where it's big for him and, of course, big for the football team that he plays well to this week. They're finishing up with a tour of the AFC West at Raiders, at Chargers, at home against the Chiefs. Not exactly the ideal formula for the Broncos making it to the postseason and with Teddy out and you know he's he's out of the hospital he was out of the hospital on Monday he's he's fine but he's he's not going to be clear to play after suffering that concussion second that concussion this year right all he took yeah uh and, and not good and yeah. and the Broncos are clearly back in that category of I think no stone unturned in the offseason as to what they're going to do when it comes to a quarterback right. and also you know if they don't make the playoffs and I feel bad saying this, but look, from the moment they hired George Payton to be the GM, Vic Fangio is on the clock because George Payton most likely did not have Vic Fangio's name at the top of the list that Payton has been carefully crafting over the years of the the coaches he would hire. Uh, is Vic Fangio safe for another year? Another thing that may help Vic Fangio if they get close to the playoffs and don't make it, yeah. the idea that the team's going to be for sale. And th- there's re- really no strong pushback to this building notion that they're selling the team because the seven children of Pat Boland can't get on the same page about who's going to run the team. And it may be they just, and then, you know, nobody's really got, as far as I know, the significant assets to buy out one of the siblings. Cause you're talking about a big chunk of money that you're going to have to come up with to buy out one of the siblings. Um, they, they sell the team. Do you want to tie the new owner's hands with a coaching contract? You know, somebody you've gone out and hired, when you know the new owner may show up and say, "Well, I don't want that person to be the coach," yeah, so it could be right. that Vic Fangio. Enough of these factors come together where you know they were good, not great. They got close to the playoffs, they didn't make it. Um, we got a new owner coming. Maybe they kicked the can for a year, but but it's it's getting very awkward and strange in Denver right now. And it could be when the dust settles. This was one of the most overlooked reports of the weekend. Peyton Manning may be involved. He doesn't have the money to own the team, but he's got the money to buy a small piece of it. And he's got the abilities to walk through the door. And, you know, I'm not going to say run the show, but I think it's safe to say that whatever job you would give Peyton Manning, he's running the show. Yeah, probably. Once he walks through right. the door, he's running the show. No doubt. No doubt. And I mean, it's kind of what I always thought he would get involved in, certainly. I always thought he would, you know, be this more than announcing games, Monday night football, whatever. Uh, again, I, I almost at times look at that and go, man, you're Peyton Manning. Like you're, you're too big time to be announcing football games. You're bigger than that. Your entity, everything about you, you're just bigger than that. I mean, it's Peyton freaking Manning without a doubt, like one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the history of football. I mean, come on, Peyton Manning's been retired for like five or six years and Tom Brady's just beating some of his records right now. I mean, now he's been gone. For, and even in his last year, he wasn't really worth the damn. I mean, Peyton Manning went through a stretch where, well, I mean, it was unreal every year. And it was like, oh, if Peyton Manning gets the ball with four minutes left, they, they're going to win the game. He's going to drive down. They're going to score. It's inevitable. You can't give him the ball that. I mean, he's, he's a legend. He's a god of football. So that's where I, I always thought this would be what he does. And, and, Mike, back to the Fangio thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. I, I could see that going either way. You know, they've done some good things. And I think within that, too, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt that, yeah, they're in the playoff conversation. Their defense is very good. You know, they had some unfortunate injuries throughout the year. And he has had a, a, 
a weird quarterback situation that he was, you know, given when he took over the franchise. I got to think you got to take that into account to a degree to realize like, wait, we don't really know what the guy's capable of. I mean, we're just sitting here going, man, Drew Locke, he's got to play good tonight or this weekend just to, to make sure he's a backup quarterback and can solidify that, let alone like that was his starter last year. And of course, Teddy Bridgewater this year, which we know is just like a Band-Aid or a bridge type quarterback. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I favor not firing if Vic Fangio, no matter how the season ends. You need to let it go one, one more last, year. Yeah. One last thing about Peyton, and then we'll take a break. Yeah. If he would end up with some sort of a management role with the Broncos, you know, a lot of people would be upset because maybe he wouldn't be able to do the Manning cast. Now, if anybody could pull off the inherent conflict of interest of running the Broncos and also doing the Manning cast, it would be Peyton Manning. <laughs> but the other side of it is if he's fully all in with this new reality – of managing the Broncos. See, he can't do it halfway. Yeah. I don't think he can do anything halfway. No. He's either going to be all in with Omaha Productions or he's going to be all in with running the Broncos. And he has to ask himself, which path do I want to take? Life is a lot easier and the money's going to be getting better and better all the time to just sit around and talk about football for a few hours on Monday night, especially with Amazon reportedly ready to enter the fray and try to lure the Mannings away as of 2023 to do what they're doing as part of the Thursday night broadcast, which could spark a bidding war between ESPN and Amazon. It's even better money to just sit around and talk about football for three hours a week, 10 weeks out of the year. So that's what he's going to have to ask himself as well. Because I think once he gets sucked back into the competitive arena, that that Kraken is going to unleash itself again and he's going to be all in all the time trying to do everything he can it's going to torment him because none of the quarterbacks they ever find are going to be as good as he ever was I just I I I don't it's gonna to have to be a hell of a deal for him he's gonna to have to have a nice little chunk of equity that he's not gonna to have to pay much for that's going to appreciate and he's going to make a load of money that way over time it's going to have to be a great deal to get him to do it i think because he's got a pretty good life right now and and i'm not so sure that i want to trade that in for throwing myself back into that that crucible of torment on a weekly basis where you're trying to will football games in your direction. Yeah, no, that's what he's going to have to figure out. I'm sure he does have a great life right now. You know, can play golf whenever he wants, whatever, hang out with his buddies, do all that. But, yeah, you're right. You go back into the arena of, wait, I'm running a football team. That's life-consuming. It's going to change a lot of things. And you got to be, yeah, make sure you're mentally ready to make that, you know, type of adjustment to your life before you do that. So we'll see. Uh, either way, I know he'd, he'd be successful at, at either job. I mean, come on, he's – He's amazing personality. He's the funniest actor football player in, in the sport, in my opinion. There's nobody better in commercials than Peyton Manning. And the Manning cast is amazing because of him. I mean, he's hilarious. The things he says, does, everything. I mean, I mean, he's the star of the show. He's Peyton freaking Manning. Omaha, Blue Go. I mean, I mean come on. He's amazing. He's Peyton Manning. He's the, like a legend of legends, in my opinion. You said something that caught my attention, then we will take a break. Peyton Manning hanging out with his buddies. Could you imagine how hard it would have to be to be one of Peyton Manning's buddies? Because I get the feeling that for the people close to him, he is constantly, constantly, like he does with Eli, constantly making fun, poking fun, smart-ass remarks, wear you down. You get to the point where I need a break from Peyton Manning. I don't know. I think that's what he is. 
It is. It is what I you know. I I was friends with Brandon Stokely, who of course is one of his best friends out there. And I mean, yeah, that's what he is. He's a ball buster. He's always being funny, practical jokes, got something smart to say. That's what he is. But that's why you know, again, that is part of the reason he's amazing, and he's he's always entertaining to watch. I'll find out later today whether or not the person with their finger on the bleep button at Sky Sports was paying attention to some sort of soccer match or actually did. If they even acknowledge that that's a term. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not a term that would be bleeped uh, in the U.K. and in Ireland. But uh, we'll see if it gets through. I'll get the emails. Just like I got the emails last week that a certain word that begins with S. Store high in transit. Was oh. not bleeped. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Let's take a break. Uh, some other news from around the NFL, including the daily perfunctory but very necessary update on where things stand with this ongoing battle against a virus that continues to subtly threaten to cancel or further postpone NFL games in the final three weeks of the regular season. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 